We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With US Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. US Bank credit cards are issued by US Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now Artest is jumped over the scorer's table. Artest is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Roadwire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, February 28th. It is March Eve. Nick Whalen here with James Anderson. We are now presented by a new sponsor, FanDuel.com. If you're listening to this podcast, you've probably heard of FanDuel. We, we have a close partnership with them uh, in a number of sports, a number of areas on the website. So we're glad to welcome FanDuel as the presenting sponsor for this podcast the rest of the way. Um, <clears throat> we have an extremely cramped studio schedule today. Um, a lot of NBA stuff obviously still going on. Baseball's heating up. We got NFL Combine podcast coming here after... Um, so this will be a little bit shorter than our usual pods, but that's okay because this does really feel like a week where unless you want to talk for two hours about LeBron and the Lakers drama or Kyrie and Celtics drama, which I personally would be happy to do. Um, I know you probably a little bit less. So there's not a ton else going on in the NBA, at least, you know, relative to these last couple of weeks where we had the all-star break and things like that, the trade deadline. Um, but we'll start with the Milwaukee Bucks who, are still atop the Eastern Conference. They have been atop the Eastern Conference for the better part of the season. 
Um, it was the Raptors, you know, for the first month and a half, two months. Um, but really since like January, I think Milwaukee is, has kind of asserted itself as the top team in the Eastern Conference. They get a 141-140 win over Sacramento in overtime last night. Kind of a strange game. Milwaukee looked like they had it put away with like five or six minutes left. Um, Giannis had his minutes limited in this game. I think he played 24 minutes, didn't play at all in overtime. Um, so that was a big part of it. I know you were watching Top Chef, so you weren't able to catch this one uh, on FS Wisconsin. Well, by, by the time it was at this stage of the game, I was probably in bed. So Yeah, well, it was a late start. It right. was a 9.30 or 10 o'clock, actually, start. So I, I, don't, I don't think it's really realistic to expect you to, yeah, to stay I'm up for a game like this. Getting pretty old, so yeah, you would got to be in bed at a certain, certain hour. I was sending you snaps the other day of, uh, of me watching the Lakers game, you know, kind of providing some commentary, and you're just sending back – photos of you watching Degrassi yeah so I don't know what's going on are you just in full baseball mode now <laughs> um well you know as as you may or may not know uh when you uh live with someone it's it's, it's usually best to kind of share the tv and, and kind of watch stuff that you both want to watch um, powerpoint get two tvs <laughs> And so, yeah, we've been we've been watching uh, Degrassi, the uh, the Drake era Degrassi. There's several different variations of Degrassi, different casts, different uh, kind of decades of of Degrassi. And uh, this is from uh, when Drake, young Drake, was uh, looked young enough to play a middle school kid, and. Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty great. I mean, I can't can't recommend it highly enough. I've never even watched Degrassi. What when is this from? Like what years? Like early two thousands? Uh, yeah, I would guess it's it's early two thousands, just based okay. on the fashion. I th- yeah, I was I was gonna say there's always some, a giveaway. A lot of yeah, I was picturing a lot of guys with like long hair that's parted in the middle, like spiked up and like yeah, kind of. I'm picturing like Scott Pollard, and Brad Miller, you know, guys like that. I sure. think kind of molded their image. Um, yeah, I mean, at, at that point I was still, I was still doing like rocket power, sure. you know, Rugrats, SpongeBob, things like that. Just, just missed the Degrassi era, unfortunately. Um, but speaking of the Milwaukee Bucks, there's, there's a narrative still going around. I think even though as they, you know, we're what 61 games into the year, there's, you know, barely any of the season left at this point. And I think there's still hesitancy to, to accept that. Milwaukee is, you know, maybe not a team that you would pick to beat Golden State, but should be considered, you know, based on advanced numbers, based on scoring numbers, defensive numbers, um, the second best team or, you know, the best team, I guess, numerically in the league, but the second best team in terms of, um, you know, how you'd rank them top to bottom. And part of that, I think, is the Mike Budenholzer factor, which is not really a knock on the Bucks or not a knock on Bud, but I think we've kind of seen this blueprint before. Um, in the Eastern Conference five or six years ago with that, that Atlanta Hawks team that won 60-plus games, ended up fizzling out, you know, getting swept by, by LeBron um, in the postseason. I don't feel like this is that situation all over again. I, I can see where you would draw the parallels um, in terms of how they, they ran away with that conference early and never really looked back. Um, but to me, you know, the argument is that team did not have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Granted, they had four All-Stars. They had five players of the month in one singular month. Um, but the difference for me is that the best player on that team was Al Horford or Paul Millsap. And the best player on this Bucks team is markedly better than, than either of those two guys were. Yeah, it's, it's really complicated. There's, you know, the aspect of who was the Hawks competition back then, obviously 
there's no I mean this was prime LeBron James at the time uh and there's no such thing as as a player that good in the east for this bud team to to run up against obviously mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard Kyrie Irving really good uh players that are going to be able to score uh, fairly efficiently in tough situations in the fourth quarter of games but um, there's I mean there's obviously no LeBron James and so the Bucks are gonna have the best player in all these series uh, I think the the kind of the big thing is just Bud's it, it's a knock not necessarily on any of the players involved but more of a knock on his defensive scheme which is to uh, prevent any kind of shots at the rim and allow above the break threes um that i think works a lot better in the regular season i mean there's a lot of there's a lot of defensive schemes that work much better in the regular season than they do in the postseason i think utah last year was an example of that too where uh really i mean the best when you're playing against the absolute best players uh a switch everything scheme is is the best scheme you can have and that's part of the a warrior success throughout this run whereas the bucks are not going to switch and they are going to allow uh some open threes which is again it's a great strategy for most teams they're i mean in theory the best teams i mean if you give the raptors or the celtics a bunch of open threes then maybe that that could go poorly for you but um you know, I'm. I don't think it's as big of a deal as as everyone's making it out to be. I mean, I really think it's just going to kind of come down with this specific team to just the way teams scheme against Giannis and whether mm-hmm. or not the Bucks are able to overcome um, looks that they're not getting right now in the regular season, where teams are either gonna completely cut off any type of um, kick out to three point shooters mm-hmm. or um, just kind of completely limit Giannis from driving, whether it's kind of taking the ball out of his hands uh, above the three-point line or just kind of denying him with a with a second guy. I, I'm not sure exactly how teams are going to go at it, but they're going to definitely face right. stuff defensively and offensively that they haven't faced in the regular season. And, it's, and, and that's not the case with a lot of these other teams. Like mm-hmm. the Raptors, the Celtics, you kind of know exactly – what you're getting from them on both sides of the ball once the playoffs start, and we just don't really know with the Bucks yet. I, I agree that the offense would be the, the bigger concern over the course of seven games. Like to me, I you know, I don't think the Bucks are going to just you know lock down Philly or lock down Boston or lock down Toronto over the course of seven games on defense. But um, like I, I feel like they're, the scheme that you you know just discussed very well. They, you know, the Bucks lead the league in a point opponents three point percent or three point attempts per game over thirty five. Uh, they themselves take almost 38. So, you know, it's not like there's this huge discrepancy. But like to me, I think that that would almost be more concerning if this was like an NCAA tournament type of format where, you know, I, I think it, it that kind of opens you up to being upset, you know, where all it takes is one game where you don't shoot well and you're giving up a ton of threes and the other team is red hot, much like our rec game last night. Um, so to me, like, I'm, I'm not necessarily super worried about that. I mean, now that we're 61 games into the year, it, it certainly hasn't really burned Milwaukee yet. Um, but, you know, like you said, once you, when you play the same team four to seven times in a row, that, that does open up to, to different schemes and, and different ways of thinking. But offensively, like, I'm thinking of the Boston game last week where 
you know, Milwaukee won that game. It was close. Um, neither team played all that well, but the Bucks' offense for a lot of that game did not look like it's looked, um, you know, for 90% of the season. Not like it looked, you know, when they put up 30-some points in the first quarter last night against Sacramento. And that's, that's what concerns me. It's like t- what teams that can hold Milwaukee to around 100 points and can collapse on Giannis and cause him to second guess himself and close out on shooters like to me that's the bigger concern than Milwaukee's defense all of a sudden collapsing you know when we get to April and May yeah I think that there's definitely a chance that uh, these playoffs end and people maybe think less of Giannis than they do right now yes Uh, there's also obviously a scenario where he really just kind of has his superstar best player in the league coming out party in the playoffs and is thought of as the best player in the league heading into next season but i i definitely can see a like like i picture it in my mind like a really frustrated Giannis, like in the fourth quarter of a close game like nothing's really been working Mm -hmm. and they're like all the pressures on him and he obviously at that point isn't going to trust his three-point shot at all like uh it's it it it's something you just kind of have to almost see to sort of fully buy into that this team with the best player in the conference who you know he's been hitting I mean everyone knows Giannis can hit open threes like in a Mm -hmm. pressure-free situation we just I mean there's zero evidence that he can hit any kind of three in a high pressure situation and a lot of these teams are going to just pull the straight like here's uh 15 feet yes and two guys waiting for you at the rim one that's happy to take a charge and the other one that's gonna like contest your shot and everything and like that could totally screw up yes. uh his flow so i just i kind of got to see it first i i don't think it's right to call the bucks like a front running team by any means but they are a team that when things are going well you know they're able to just like mash the gas pedal and you know kind of run over teams which which we've seen over and over this year it would be very interesting to see what happens if they're, you know, they, let's say they're playing, you know, they're in Boston in the second round or in Philly in the in the conference finals, down two one, and you're, you know, you're down by fifteen points with, you know, two minutes left in the third quarter. Like, I, I don't necessarily know, you know, you, like think of like all the the heroic like LeBron, you know, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook games that we've seen, I guess, from these guys, whether it's postseason or not. Like, so much of it is, you know, using the jump shot to to you know make guys come out on you and then you know use that to get to the hole like you said i think i don't know what the what the Giannis takeover mode looks like when the bucks are down and the and the opponent can just back off like that and you it really is going to look like you described you know teams are just going to make him get that running start and just kind of plow into the lane and in a lot of ways you're putting the the game in the in the hands of the referees you know how many charges they're going to call are they going to you know let Giannis get away with a lot of the the calls that he's gotten this season um I don't know. And to me, like, that's a scenario like I, I just, you know, the Bucks haven't really faced it yet. They haven't lost back to back games. There really has been almost no adversity for this team, um, you know, even injury wise. And, you know, at some point in the playoffs, whether it's in the first round, second round, third round, or even if they get to the finals, you know, we're going to have to kind of see what this team is really made of. And, and the fact that we haven't had to do that yet is a little concerning. So what, like, do you think they're the favorites? I think they're the favorites in the East. I would not pick any team over Golden State. Would you take them? Would I mean? Would you take the field probably over the Bucks though in the East? Yeah, I think so. We we talked about this either a week or two ago, where you know, I think the guys on XM asked me like, you know, would you pick a favorite in the East? And I, I think I would take the field over any single team just because I think those top four are so strong. Um, but if 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 I had to rank them, I would put the Bucks number one for sure. 
I can 100% picture the Bucks losing to the Celtics mm-hmm. specifically. Uh, I think they match up better with the Raptors, and I think that I would be somewhat surprised if the Bucks lost to the Raptors in a series where they had home court, but I can totally see them uh, getting bounced by Boston, so I, I would also take the field. So like I said at the top of the podcast, we are brought to you by FanDuel.com. If you go to FanDuel.com slash Rotowire dash sub, that's FanDuel.com slash Rotowire dash sub S-U-B. You can sign up for FanDuel now and get a free six-month subscription to Rotowire.com. You get all of the content for all sports on Rotowire.com. That includes all of our DFS tools. That includes our NBA, our MLB, all of our NFL content. We get a ton of draft stuff on the site right now. That's over $50 in value, and you get that for just that $10 deposit. You can then use that deposit, of course, to win even more money on FanDuel.com. Only new FanDuel users are eligible for this offer. Again, you have to be a first-time FanDuel user, and users may only establish one account on FanDuel.com. But go to FanDuel.com slash sub sign up for FanDuel, and make a deposit of at least $10, and you get that six-month Rotowire subscription. Do you think there's any merit? Um, I was talking to our, our colleague, Kevin O'Brien, earlier about the Bucks have a, a Western Conference road back-to-back coming up this weekend with, I think, the Lakers in Utah. Um, my guess is they sit Giannis for one of those games, You know, being that he just sat the other day with knee soreness. He was limited last night. Um, they have a two-and-a-half game lead. With the way the East is right now, Boston's 10-and-a-half back uh, of Milwaukee. They're two-and-a-half back of the four and they're full three games back of Indiana. Is there is there any like reason that you'd want that two to maybe face the winner of an Indiana-Brooklyn series rather than the winner of a Philly-Boston series if the standings hold? Or you know, do you think the Bucks just operate as the, we want to get the one seed and we don't really care what happens below us? No, I think you want the one seed. I think you want to have home court in the final round of the Eastern Conference playoffs. Yeah. To me, I think that's more important. I mean, you're going to have to go through at least one of those three teams. Ideally, you wouldn't, you know, I, I think if they got their pick, you'd obviously rather play Indiana or Boston, or excuse me, Indiana or Brooklyn than you would Philly or Boston. But, you know, I, I don't I don't think the Bucks are are to the point right now that they can really be thinking too much about specific matchups. Um, so I want to talk to you about LeBron specifically. I, I aired my grievances to you via text uh, the other night, and... I am, am very much concerned, not even you know about this current season, but about where this Lakers trajectory goes the next couple of years. Um, I think it's you know wildly ironic that LeBron finally signed a multi-year deal, and now it might be locking him into a situation that he might not want to be in. Um, if they don't get Anthony Davis this summer, which very much an if, if they don't get Kyrie Irving, which is even more of an if, um, they're not getting Kevin Durant, they're not getting Kawhi Leonard, they're certainly not getting Klay Thompson. Um, I don't have to run down the list of the available guys, but you know it starts getting into borderline all-star caliber, you know guys who really aren't going to help you win a title with, with the, the amount of talent that's in the league right now. Um, who is who is most to blame for where the Lakers are right now? Out of management, Magic and Palinka, LeBron himself, young players not developing, Luke Walton injuries. Like where where do you where do you look at and say? you know, this is who we need to start with when it, when it comes to finding out, you know, the root reasons behind why the Lakers might miss the playoffs. So we're just, 
we're simply just blaming someone for why they might miss the playoffs? Well, we'll start with that, yeah, before going bigger picture. It doesn't even have to be one person. I'm saying who is most to blame. I think LeBron is certainly partially to blame, but I don't know that he's the most to blame. Uh, just for them missing the playoffs, I think it's two huge factors. I think it's LeBron's injury, and I think it's the just a variety of decisions by the front office. Mm-hmm. Like I think the, the, those are by far the two biggest right. reasons why they might miss the playoffs. I think the injury is is being underrated. Now I, mean, yeah. I think LeBron, LeBron's <laughs> antics like the last few games have like completely shifted the narrative. Like they nationally, would, everyone hates would be, LeBron more than they've hated him in forever. They would probably be sitting at like the sixth seed yeah. if he had never got hurt, and there and it would still be like a minor panic because they're the sixth seed, and they you know they probably would have dropped from like third or fourth down to six. But you know there wouldn't be this this fear that they would miss the playoffs. Like at that point, they would have to you know they'd be up on on a team like Minnesota or Sacramento by a good like five games. Yeah, and uh, so I mean that's kind of an obvious one. Right. I mean I think the front office has with the, I mean I can't even think of anything they've done well. Uh, <laughs> I mean they've just made so many terrible decisions. Right. I mean it, go, it all uh, goes and, back to Mozgov and Dang. And note, well I mean this wasn't on them obviously, right, but, but that like was uh, the prior regime, the, the the unwillingness to um, trade for Paul George like the assumption that he was just going to come there uh that's kind of the first thing well that that and the um decision to this is kind of a smaller one but the decision to attach D'Angelo Russell instead of somebody else the decision to take Lonzo Ball with the number two pick uh the decision to um sign all those terrible players they signed to one-year deals yep. this offseason uh the Lonzo pick is interesting you brought that up nobody even nobody even mentions that it's so far down the list of bad decisions that you never you never hear anybody like people tell say all the time like wow the Sixers should have picked Tatum you never hear anyone say the Lakers should have picked Tatum I mean it was not as bad as some other picks in right. that draft well, but it was, it was pretty bad like certainly not ideal I mean it yeah. wasn't a good pick it wasn't no. like a pick that's going to go down as well. And they tra- well, that's part of the thing. They traded D'Angelo Russell, you know, partially to get mm-hmm. off of a contract to Mozgov, but partially to clear the way for Lonzo too. Right. If they never, if they take the the problem is like it's it's really tough to give them a ton of blame because you just don't know who they would have taken instead because there are right. plenty of busts up near the top of that draft. So. Who's to say they don't take an even worse player up there? Uh, like if they take Josh Jackson instead of Lonzo Ball, then like <laughs> things are even worse. Um, the but yeah, I mean that like Lonzo Ball, you expect to get more out of a number two overall pick than what you got in Lonzo Ball. I don't think the Brandon Ingram thing was just a no choice at all. You're taking Brandon Ingram with that pick. Uh, I think this is just kind of a situation where he's developed slower than they maybe hoped. He doesn't mesh well with LeBron at all. Um, but they should have traded Brandon Ingram for Paul George. Yes. Uh, that would have been a pretty easy solution to a lot of this. And the decision to – like they, they kind of operated with a sense of um, like we're definitely going to have – players to give this cap space to we can't sign anyone to more than a one-year right. contract like so we're gonna sign all these terrible players like it's not like there weren't 
good players available on short-term deals like just like Brooke Lopez for example Brooke Lopez who was on their roster like Wayne Ellington yep. just like random players like that who actually have like a skill that would be useful next to LeBron uh, as opposed to just I I I really don't know I mean is do you have a strong sense of confidence in how much LeBron had to do with the players they like the Rondo, Stevenson, McGee, Beasley. Do you know how much blame lies on him slash how much lies on Palenka, how much lies on Magic? I, I would think it's more on the latter. You know, I, I think we, we hear over and over, you know, and certainly I'm far from plugged in on the Lakers front office decisions, but we hear over and over that like the narrative of LeBron picking his teammates is not as strong as people think. Um but, you know, like the KCP signing is pretty easy to link, right? The Michael Beasley signing is pretty easy to link. Um, I don't know about Lance. I don't know about JaVale. I remember saying to you back in, you know, August or September, though, like, these are, uh, you know, these are all one-year deals. So they're going to be really easy to trade. They'll be able to, you know, I think they're signing these with the idea that they'll be able to package them with the young guys to to make salaries match with someone like Beal or Davis. And... I mean, one, it turned out the Pelicans didn't even want any of their "quote unquote" attractive young pieces, and two, none of these one-year, none of these one-year deals were even mentioned in in trade talks. I think maybe Rondo was a part of one of the packages they offered, but the idea was, oh, a team might be attracted to the idea of just taking on KCP for salary and because they might want him down the stretch. Like none of these guys have attracted any interest whatsoever. They've been terrible on the court, and you know, in terms of like pure asset salary-wise. That's also been a bust. Well, I mean, that any notion that they would have any value as anything other than expiring deals was completely misguided. I didn't. I don't remember. I mean, that that's a horrible take if that was a take back then. But I told you before the season, this is just a chill year when they signed these yeah. guys. Like the expectations here, I think is a, is just as big a problem as anything right. else because I never thought of this team as no. a team that was close to a contender this year based on the decisions they made in the off season. So anyone that came into this year thinking that well, they were destined to win 50 games was yeah. so far off base that expectations are, right. are heavily to blame as well. Very true. They're going to fall way short of the of the over-under, which, which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I think it was fair, given how they were playing around Christmas, to expect this to at least be a playoff team. I mean, the, it's, people are not panicking now because, oh my God, they might not make the finals. It's, oh my God, they might not even get the eight seed and get swept by Golden State in round one. Like, that's how low expectations have, have been lowered. But at the time, you were right. I mean, I think in, in September, there were people out there that thought, you know, this is the team that will challenge Golden State more than anyone else in the West. And there were people that picked them to miss the playoffs, so. Right. Wait, did you pick them to miss the playoffs back then? Yeah. Really? I think so. Good for you. Wow. Well, I, <laughs> you're riding high here. Um, yeah, well, unfortunately, we have to cut this one short. Like I said, we got we got guys beating down the door behind us, but we'll pick up next week. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a little more news to discuss at that point. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.